Hi, and welcome to St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. My name is Stuart, and it's my privilege to be the minister here. I hope that you are blessed by our time together today as we explore another story from Matthew's Gospel where some very strange things happen. It's Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 to 33. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking towards them on the lake. But when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. One of the things we are supposed to do when we get together is ask the question, what if? And that's exactly what I'm going to do today. Because every sermon I've ever heard and ever preached about this strange event, this moment where Jesus comes walking on the water and Peter gets out of the boat and does the same thing for a moment, well, they've always been about having enough faith or enough courage to get out of the boat and to try to walk on the water. In fact, in another place today, in a service for the United Reformed Church, that's exactly the sermon that I preach. So if you want to hear that sermon, then I've posted the links on our Facebook page. As I said, today I want to pull on a different thread and see where it leads. Matthew's just told us the story of the feeding of the 5,000. That was last week's message, so you can catch up, listen or watch again on the website if you missed it. But it's worth reminding ourselves just now that when everyone was fed, it was an echo back to another point in their story, the story of their people, their time in the wilderness when they wandered around for 40 years. Jesus feeding the people is a reminder of the time where God provided manna, bread from heaven, so that the people wouldn't go hungry and so that they could learn to rely on God. And it's a moment in the story where we should say, ah, that means Jesus is God. How else would he be able to do that? So if today's story is a continuation of that thought, then perhaps this water escapade isn't about what we think it's about. Jesus has finally got some peace. Remember, his cousin John the Baptist had been executed and he spent the whole day healing people, being moved to his guts with compassion. And then he fed everyone with five loaves and two fish. Now the crowds have been sent home and he's sent his friends away in the boat. They're heading back to the other side of the lake, back to the villages where they live. It's early in the morning and the wind has got up and the boat is being smashed by the waves and through the gloom and the spray, the disciples see a figure walking on the water and they have a perfectly normal reaction to that. They're terrified. They wouldn't be. They think it's a ghost. But Jesus speaks to them. Do not be afraid. But Peter wants confirmation. Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, come. Come. I've always read that as, okay, sure. If you want to, out you get. 
But this is one of those moments where the translators made a choice. The Greek word used means something much more like, um, if you like, if you're sure, it's up to you. And for me, that's enough to make me wonder. Just yesterday in the story, Jesus was in full God mode, making food for everyone, manna in the wilderness. And now he's doing another thing that God does, passing by. It happens to Adam and Eve in the garden. They hear God walking in the garden, passing them by. It happens to Moses. God places Moses in a gap in the rocks and then God passes by. Passing by is, I suppose, a close encounter with God. And here is Jesus passing by, walking on the water, being all godlike again, just like yesterday, but, but different. If the feeding of the 5,000 is a reminder about who God is and that the people should remember to rely on God, then why isn't this story about the same thing? After all, it's just a continuation of that same story. But Peter's request is usually seen as some kind of passionate desire to be where Jesus is, to do what Jesus does, whatever the cost. But why should he be where Jesus is and doing what Jesus does? What if this, rather than being a story about Peter taking a chance and stepping out in faith, what if it's actually a story about Peter completely failing to recognise who Jesus is? Let me explain. The wanderings of the people of Israel in the wilderness last for 40 years because they don't seem to be able to trust in God and follow some pretty basic rules. God gives them 10 rules, 10 commandments to help them to live well together. As their relationship with God's develops, they work out how to apply those rules and they add some more to help cover some of the other parts of their lives. One of those rules appears in a story near the beginning of Matthew's Gospel where Jesus is alone in the wilderness for 40 days. In chapter 4 we read that Jesus is taken by the devil to the top of the temple and challenged to jump off because the angels will save him. Jesus' response is no, you shouldn't put God to the test. It's one of the failings of the people of Israel in the wilderness. They're always asking God to show them that he's real. Show us a sign, give us some food, give us some water, stop us from getting sick. Give us somewhere to live. Help us to win a battle. But Jesus passes the test. I'm not sure that Peter does at all. Lord, if it's really you, command me to come out to you in the water. That sounds like a test to me. If it's really you. Because I'm not sure. At least not 100%. I've got doubts. I need confirmation. If it is you, just tell me to come out on the water and, and then I'll believe. Jesus' response is, come, um, if you like, if you're sure, it's up to you. And that's more of a question than an invitation. It's the kind of thing that a parent says to a child when they know the child is about to make a really bad choice. That whatever they want to do isn't going to go well. But they need the experience for themselves so that they can learn from it. Yeah, if you like, it's up to you. And Peter gets out of the boat. And just for a moment he's doing it. He's walking on the water and then he starts to sink because he's afraid. Peter is exactly what Jesus has told him not to be. Do not be afraid. 
And as Jesus picks him up and puts him back in the boat, he leans in. You of little faith, why did you doubt? I've always read that as if only you had believed more than you'd have been able to walk in the water just like me. But I'm not sure that's what Peter is getting around for. Peter didn't believe in Jesus in the first place. If it's really you. Sinking was just confirmation of that doubt. The day before the disciples had witnessed something amazing, Jesus had fed somewhere around 12,000 people. But perhaps they did what we did last week. Perhaps they explain it away. As people sharing their food, not even taking the time to think through the implications of that change of heart, the lessons that we learned from it, to be moved by compassion, to see the need of your neighbour, it's what Jesus asks of us right at the start of Matthew's Gospel and what we call the Beatitudes. The disciples don't get it. The disciples, those closest to him, those who have seen it all and heard it all, still don't really understand who Jesus is. When he comes walking on the water, their first response should have been the one that they get to eventually. Truly you are the Son of God. But it's not. They're afraid. And Peter blurts out a test, a test he thinks is for Jesus, but really it's a test for himself and he fails it miserably. Jesus gets into the boat and the storm stops. And they realise what they should have known all along, that Jesus truly is the Son of God. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Of course they do. How else could he walk on the water? Matthew's Gospel is all about the identity of Jesus, revealing to us bit by bit who he is. God, here, beside us, like us, but not us. We take that journey alongside the disciples, a journey of discovery, seeing what they see, catching glimpses here and there, wondering and slowly understanding, coming to our own conclusions in our own time. Peter should have stayed in the boat and not been afraid. That's what he was asked to do. If he had just believed, believed when Jesus first appeared walking on the water, believed when he was told not to be afraid, believed that Jesus was the Son of God, he would have stayed put. It's a hard lesson when you think you know better, when you think you can do something that you can't, when you think you can be something or someone that you're not. Um, if you like, if you're sure, it's up to you. It's a lesson we're all invited to learn again and again and again. The temptation is to try to be like God. To do the things that God can do. To take on for ourselves the things that are God's. Perhaps the lesson here for Peter and for us is to recognise when God shows up. To listen to what God says to us. And to believe that we do not need to be afraid even when the storms of life threaten to overwhelm us. You come to us early in the morning, wind howling, waves crashing, the world unravelling around us. You come to us walking on the water, proclaiming peace when we feel anything but peaceful. Somewhere in our fear, in our limited understanding, 
We decide that we must be water walkers to earn your love. So forgive us when we step out of the boat to test ourselves, to test you, to shore up our faith, our ego, our fear. You don't call us out to test our faith. You call us in love, to be love, and you are always by our side. So comfort us when the waves rock our boat. Steady us when the wind is up and our guard is down. Challenge us to live our faith from grace's perspective, knowing that you match our steps, stride by stormy stride. When uncertainty and incivility crash and blow around us, and when we choose the immediacy of partisan politics over the pastoral, patient presence of your kingdom. Call your peace to us, God, over the wind and the waves. As hidden hurricanes lay waste to our souls, while outwardly we stroll in the eye of the storm. Walk with us, God, through the wind and the waves. In the threatening threshold of dawn's uncertainty, may your voice roll upon the water, filling our hearts with peace and our heads with courageous kindness. Unlink our courage and commitment from our need for success. Disconnect the assurance of your incarnation from the perfection of our faith. Make us bold in our loving, less afraid of failure, and more accepting of the dynamic dance of faith and doubt, wind and waves, life and eternity. Hear us, Lord, as we join in your words, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. The blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit with you this day and always. Amen. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you.